You are listening to Overcomers Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope that this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. Every time that I have an opportunity to share the word, you know, it's a privilege. And uh, we've been doing this uh, now here for just a few years. And I cannot think of one time that I ever, especially on a Sunday morning, had a time when I, yes, the baby's adorable. <laughs> it's amazing. I look at it and everyone's like, wow, never seen one of those before. Uh, <laughs> uh, thank you. I can't be crabby, even though I have a cra- crabby shirt on. So, um, Get that one joke out of the way and just move forward. Uh, but I don't think I've ever had a time where I took, I took releasing the word of the Lord uh, lightly. If I, if I did, I repent. But I, I take it as a very serious thing because the Lord, the Lord works through, through people. You know, Paul told Timothy, he said, um, he said, you know, go into the presence of the Lord. He said, you know, preach the word. And when he was saying that, he was saying, go into the presence of the Lord, get a message from the king. There's a lot in that when you study the Greek out and then go and deliver a message to the people. And so I realized for me, I'm just a delivery boy, but I go into the presence of the Lord and, and hear what God's wanting to say and release it to you. And so the Lord really began to minister to me concerning, and that's why the word was so fitting about the, the healing presence of the Lord and it really being for our souls and the realm of our heart. And, you know, there is a, uh, there's a skill that we have to develop if we're going to be a strong person, if we're going to be a strong people. There's a, there's a really important skill. And Liz and I, a couple, uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, ministered on you know managing disappointment, so this kind of tails off of that. But I want to go a little bit deeper with this. And there's not a person that's listening to this that has not experienced some form of you know disappointment in their life. And and this is the thing is that people get marked in this life by stuff, by circumstances, by the way that they were raised, by things that were done to them by disappointment. So maybe there was a level of expectation of seeing this thing or buying the house or meeting the person or, you know, just it could be anything that could fit in there. And what happens oftentimes is that people get marked by that disappointment and they carry that. People carry stuff with them. And this becomes an issue in the realm, in the realm of the soul. You know, we're, we're three-part being, right? So it's the stuff that we're made of. We're made of a, a spirit. Really, we are a spirit. We have a soul and we live in a body. And you know, we got born again. Everything in our spirit, man, was taken care of. There's, there doesn't need to be any more healing in our spirit. There's no more growth in our spirit. We have the fullness and everything that we'll ever need in Christ. And we give a lot of attention oftentimes to our, to our bodies. How many of y'all looked in the mirror this morning before you came to church? Amen. Four of you? Great. All right. Well, no, no wonder I'm looking at some strange things. No, I'm, just, I'm kidding. Every one of us, I guarantee you, looked in the mirror or, you know, whatever, or looked in your phone and used it as a mirror or something. You did something to see about your physical appearance. And so we do that daily. We spend a lot of time really thinking about our physical appearance, our body. And so it's like our spirit and our body oftentimes get a lot of attention, but the realm of the soul often gets left to fend for itself. 
And, you know, another way that you could phrase the soul, which your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions, and your conscience. Another way that you could define that or another way that the Bible phrases it is just your heart. And you're, you're, without getting into too much detail, you know, some will say this, that when you, when you see the word heart in the Bible, sometimes it's reflectant of the spirit and sometimes it's reflectant of the soul, but your heart is your inner man. And so it's being able to divide out the difference between your spirit and your soul, but your soul is within your heart. And so it's very, very important, the things that take place in our heart. Let me read this verse to you. This is Proverbs chapter four, and we know this well in verse 23. It says to keep your heart with all diligence. One translation says to guard your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the issues of life. I wanna read this from the Passion Translation, same verse. It says, so above all, guard the affections of your heart for they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being for from there flows the wellspring of life. And so... This verse has become something that's uh, been really important to me, and it's helped me develop a skill, and I'm still developing. It's like a spiritual skill of really paying attention to what happens and then how you get affected by what happens. Because when we walk through things, if we're not careful, those things mark us. And if we allow those things to mark us, then those things begin to define us. And then when those things begin to define us, it will change the tra- trajectory, if I can use that word, trajectory of our life. So what happens to us? There's some things that we can't avoid that happen in life. I mean, everybody's experienced stuff, tragedy, loss, disappointment, lots of things that happen. And so we can't always af- uh, affect what happens, but we can make a difference on how it impacts us. And I realize, and I'm, I'm pretty transparent and Sometimes overly transparent, maybe I don't know. I'm I'm walking that out as a minister how to how to do that. Um, but I know for me that even in even in the recent months, I've walked through some healing in my own soul. And the reason I needed healing wasn't because the world's so evil. Even though there's a lot of evil in the world, we all deal with stuff. We all have to face the things of the world. But that's not why I I needed healing. And it wasn't because somebody was just so mean to me, even though I've had people, you know, be mean to me. I actually really am a very nice guy. And the things over the years that people have said, I'm like, wow, if you really knew me, you wouldn't be so mean to me. I I love you, you know. Uh, And so, but the reason I needed healing wasn't because of the things that people said. It wasn't because of the disappointments that I faced. It was because of how I handled those things. And so what happened is that when I, I look back and, and even, even from being a young boy, I look back at particular times and things that happen, but especially in ministry, because for Liz and I, we, we, all we think about is the Lord in ministry. We think about church. We think about ministering to people. That's what our whole life is wrapped up in, basically. It's really, it's God, our marriage, our children, and ministry. Um, but... Everything we do, it seems like, is involved in ministry. And there is a large percentage of things that I have seen in here in my time with the Lord that I haven't actually seen manifested. And so I had to walk through some things of, I've never, I've never, been, I've never been mad at God, 
but I've probably taken on a victim mentality at times of like, you know, Lord, I've done these things. I've done all of this stuff. I've been standing. I've been ministering. I've been helping people. I've been doing all this. Why God? Why God? Why? And even if I didn't say it like that, I thought it like that. I believed it like that. And really what I, what I allowed to happen is I allowed those things to mark me on the inside. And then what happened is I began to carry with me this stuff from past, often, uh, often disappointment, carrying the things from the past into future situations. And when you do that, you're cutting off the hope and the life of God for the future. Anybody ever done that before to where you carried the things into the past? That's exactly what I'm talking about. And the reason we do that is because the thing that happened, we allowed, we allowed it to make a mark in our soul. We allowed it to put a stamp on us as being significant, as being important, as being something to measure our life by instead of just saying the thing happened, now I'm gonna move forward from it. This is why Proverbs says to guard your heart with all diligence. It's not just, it's not just like, oh, I'm gonna be careful and not watch any you know, R-rated movies or whatever your standard is for watching movies or listening to music or whatever. That's fine, those things are fine. But it's not just that. It's all of the things that happen, sometimes even the missed opportunities, whatever it is, that you allow to come in and really plant something in you. And before you know it, there's a, there's a whole tree, a whole forest of bitterness, of offense, of, of missed opportunities. And even in Hebrews, it talks about to be careful lest a root of bitterness take root on the inside of us. And so there's a lot of this stuff that takes place that sometimes we just don't pay attention to, and it's because we didn't guard our own hearts. And you know the thing is, is that nobody else is responsible to guard your heart except for you. It's kind of like, I wish, I wish it wasn't like that. I mean, it would be easier if it wasn't like that, if we could, like the Lord would just, just supernaturally just make all of the bad stuff go away and make all of the bad stuff never hit us. But that's not the reality of the world that we live in. We, we have stuff that comes against us and we have to guard whether our heart is going to take those things on or not. We have to guard whether we're going to be moved by that and respond to the situation or if we're going to turn and respond to the Father. And I've shared this before, just shared this recently that, that Liz and I have been, you know, just our kind of our natural bent as far as how we, how we approach disappointments and problems and things. My natural bent is to be frustrated and actually turn and not, and not turn to the Lord and turn away and just go to my own thinking, just get busy with activity. But for Liz, like when she gets faced with something, her, her natural bent is to drop to her knees, maybe not literally, but just go before the Lord and say, God, I need your help here. And a lot of, is this one, they're both clicking. I don't know what's going on. We gotta fix this. Um, so at any rate, if this, do we have any other microphones in here? I don't know. Um, so anyways. Yeah, so Liz's response is one that we're supposed to take on. And what, what she does is when she's faced with something, it's probably a little bit hot now, guys, if you can turn it down a little bit. Um, she'll run to the Lord. That's the instant response. So instead of being moved by the circumstances and really in, imprinted by those circumstances, she'll actually run to the Lord and say, Father, this thing's not going to mark me, but I'm going to allow you to mark me in the midst of the situation. And that's, a, that's, like a, that's a skill that you have, you have to develop that. And it's, like, it's a pattern that you have to develop that way of thinking, that way of approaching things. And 
I just really, this comes back to just really learning how to, how to guard your heart because if you, when you're in the valley of decision, when you've been faced with something and you're in the valley of decision, what you do with that decision will make a difference on what happens to you in your heart. And the reason it says to guard your heart with all diligence is because out of it flow the issues of life. Out of it come all of the things that we believe. And, and you know what? Jesus said this. He said, he said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. If you want to know what's really in your heart, listen to what you're saying. And I don't just mean on a Sunday morning. Everybody's, everybody's got a Sunday morning, a, a Sunday face where they're like, Jesus is good and we're coming in to worship Jesus and do, 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 do. And then, but what's happening between Sunday afternoon and the next time you show back up on Sunday or the next time you get around somebody? What's taking place in your internal dialogue and in your private conversation with the Lord? Because that is what is really revealing to you what is going on. That's, re- that's the thing that's revealing to you what's taking place on the inside, what you're believing and what's marked you. Now listen, I, I, I'm going to tell you this. I'm, I'll be so transparent to say this. You know, I lost my mom back in 2016, 17, or first part of 2017. And it, it marked me. It did. It, it marked me because out of every person in my life, as a matter of fact, I've had three, I've had three people in my life that I could say... There's more than this, but there were three people that God placed in my life that were very specifically placed there to help me overcome rejection. Because I I dealt with uh, rejection like really seriously all growing up and even into being an adult. Like it was a root there that I I had to get rid of. And you know that all three of those people died. The first one was my youth pastor and he died when I was four to our youth pastor died when I was 14, 14 ish. My mom, uh, of course, died back in 2017. And then Pastor Bobby, who became a spiritual father to me, just passed away this past June or May, May or June. June is what it was. And, and I look at that, and I thank God that I got healed up from the point of my mom between that and when I lost Pastor Bobby. Um, but those first two, they marked me. They marked me. I had, to, I had to go back, and I didn't even realize it was the thing. Because the enemy is so crafty and he's so deceptive. And if you're not careful to watch over your, your emotions and watch over your heart and those kind of things, you can have that stuff happen to you. And then you start to live from that place. And I'll use, I'll say live because it's really not, it's not living. You've taken things on you and you haven't allowed the Holy Spirit to clean those things off. Let me show you this a little bit more from the scriptures. We're going to read a few verses here. They're going to really help this. Let's go to... Um, John chapter 13. John chapter 13. This is one of my favorite passages. I'm going to read this just about 10 verses here. Actually, it's 15 verses here, but that's fine. It's the word, and it says to pay attention to the reading of the scriptures, amen? It says, in supper being ended, the devil have, having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, rose from the supper and laid his garments uh, and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? 
And Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing, you do not, you do not understand now, but you will after, after this. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash you, uh, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean, and you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him, therefore he said, you are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If then... Your Lord and teacher have washed your feet. You also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, you are a, uh, say to you, a servant is no greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. And so here's what's taking place here. Jesus decides that he's going to wash their feet. And then Simon says, no, you're not going to wash my feet. And then Jesus says, you have to allow me to do this or you'll have no part of me. And then Jesus goes on to explain that if you've already been bathed, you don't need to be bathed again. You only need to have your feet washed. Why did he say that? He was making reference to people that were in him and people that would put their trust in him. They don't need to get born again again. But what they do need is they need to have their feet washed. Why? Because when we walk through life, we pick up dust. And when he was talking about foot washing, this was not about, and there's all kinds of symbolism things that can come from this. I'll try to stay behind the pulpit. It seems to work best right here. I don't know. Whatever. This might be a sign to me. Just stick right here. But anyways, there's all kinds of symbolism and things like that that you can pull from this. But one of the most important lessons that we can get from this is that when he was saying you need to wash each other's feet, he's literally saying you need to wash each other's souls because he's he's comparing it to being born again. He's comparing it to having already been completely washed by the Lord. And once you've been washed by God, you've been washed in the blood, you don't need to be washed again. And I'm not saying we don't live repented or anything like that, but I'm saying once you've been changed, God's changed you and it's done. However, when you walk through life, you pick up stuff. And it's interesting because it says in Genesis chapter three, verse 14, it says, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly, you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. So you know what this means? That when we walk through life and we pick up dust, because think about back in the day whenever they were walking through life and they would have to wash their feet, it was because they were walking on the roads, it was dusty, they had sandals on, and they had to wash the dust off. So Jesus was making a picture. So why did I just read that in Genesis chapter three? It's because dust is devil's food. He literally says right here, on your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust. So when we walk from place to place in life and we pick up dust spiritually, if we don't get rid of it, we become a meal for the devil. 
And when we have things going on in our heart that we don't take to the Lord and say, God, I know I'm supposed to move forward here. I know I'm supposed to trust you here, but I'm struggling. I'm still hanging on to the thing that didn't happen. I'm still hanging on to the disappointment. If we don't do that, then what happens is that we move over into the next situation with an expectation of the same results that we had the last time. And we're supposed to move into every situation, every season, every ministry time, every everything that the Lord's called us into with an expectation of a hopeful end and for everything to work out good. Don't develop weird, weird theology, weird philosophy, weird uh, non-scriptural uh, doctrine. Like, okay, well, you know, we walked through that, but obviously God just wanted my mom to die. I mean, if I, had, if I had taken that on when my mom died, if I had taken that on of like, well, this was just sovereignly God's will. People do that because it's a cop-out. That would have been easier for me to say, she died and it was just what God wanted. It was just her time to go. Bull butter. It wasn't her time to go. She died way too early. She was 60, whatever, three, Katie? I don't know, whatever. Whatever, 60-something. You have no answer. Okay. <laughs> Something. Too early. She was too young. And so instead of just going, oh, well, it was just, you know, people say things like, you know, when it's your time to go, or nothing going to stop it. Well, explain people being healed then. Explain people being raised from the dead. We have a part to play in this thing. And so instead of, if I had developed a really weird doctrine, I wouldn't have seen a bunch of people healed since then. I've seen a lot of people healed in the last however many years now. A lot, a whole bunch of people. I've prayed for so many people and seen many people healed. Why? Because I know that I have a job to do, I have authority, and God's given me the mandate, just like he has you, to go and to pray for the sick, to raise the dead, to cast out demons, not to be marked by what didn't happen. And you know what? I struggled for a little bit because it affected me. It really genuinely affected me. And I had a lot of time with Liz that we would be walking and we would be talking. And she would say, what's your problem? (laughs) Basically is how it went. And I would say, I don't know how to go and pray for this when this didn't happen the way that it was supposed to happen. Because see, when people have, when they have expectation and expectation doesn't get met, those those are the people that struggle the most with dealing with, it's really a form of offense. Because it's like, God, we prayed. We traveled to California. We did all of these things that we did for her, and she still died. And in my heart, I wasn't, I wasn't blaming God, but I was a little bit offended. And it was really kind of a victim mentality. I was like, I, I deserve this. I didn't say it like that, but I thought that. I believed that. I felt that. You know, that if you are offended about something, it will stop you from receiving from the Lord. It'll actually slow you down. This is exactly what happened with Jesus and his and his family, because it says that he went into to his town. As a matter of fact, let's read this passage here. It says in Mark chapter six, in verse three, it says, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And this is what they're saying about him, and it says, so they were offended at him. But Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country among his own relatives and in his own house. Now he could do no mighty work there except that he lay his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Why couldn't he? It didn't say he wouldn't do a mighty work. It says that he couldn't do a mighty work. Can you imagine that, that Jesus was limited? Why was he limited? Because they were offended at him. It says it right there. 
they were offended at him and he couldn't do any mighty work there in that town. Didn't say that the devil was just so strong and there was just all of these things happening in the heavenlies and like they didn't, they didn't spend enough time in intercessory prayer or what, it didn't say any of that. It says they were offended at him. You know, that if we allow our hearts to become offended for X, Y, Z reason, it will stop God from being able to do something in our life. Hey, can you guys help me out over here? They weren't too helpful on that side. This sounds like, actually, it sounds like, like it's kind of a shocking thing when you hear this. But if we become offended, we actually stop God from being able to do things in us, in our life. It says that they, in Psalm 78, 41, it says that they limited the Holy One of Israel. They limited him. They limited him. God's children limited him. Jesus's family limited him. And it was because of their unbelief. It was because, in particular, because of their offense. And so I, I walked through this to where I found myself being, and it wasn't like a direct offense at God. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't like I was in my prayer time. I'm just really mad at you, God. I, I knew better than to blame the Lord, but still yet it had marked me to where my heart hadn't gotten over the loss that I dealt with. Loss is a form of, of adversity. And when you're, when you're facing loss in this life or you're, you're facing the fact that you've dealt with loss, that can become an adverse thing against you that the enemy will use to keep you bound by that thing that marked you in this life. And you know what it is? It's dust and it's devil's food. Whatever the thing is that you're hanging on to, whatever it is, it's not worth it. Imagine, imagine now hindsight. Jesus's brothers and sisters, imagine that they went to heaven and they got a full picture of things. Imagine what they think now. The fact that there he was, God on the earth in the form of a man and they were offended at God. And it actually stopped him from being able to do mighty works in their town. He wasn't unwilling to do mighty works because it says that he was traveling in a circuit and he was preaching from town to town. He landed in his hometown and they're like, oh yeah, you're the guy that just, you know, you made the table over here. By the way, a bolt came loose. Can you come fix it for me? Like they didn't see, they didn't see what, they, what was really before them. And when they, instead of, instead of embracing who he was, embracing his character, and getting past their jealousy or whatever it was that they were dealing with, the reason why they were offended, I'm not exactly sure, probably jealous of him. Instead of looking and realizing they had issues in their own heart, they continue to harden themselves and it stopped the move of God from happening. Here's something else that's powerful. It stopped the move of God from happening in their community. Look here in Mark chapter 10 and in verse five. Mark 10 and five, it says, and I wanna read a few more verses here. It says, and these, are, these 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them saying, do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, and that wasn't because he didn't care about Gentiles. There was a reason why Jesus had them do that at that time. And so anyways, but as you go, uh, um, excuse, excuse me, as you go preach, verse seven, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Notice the instructions that he gave them. He said, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. 
provide neither gold nor silver nor copper in your money belts. Isn't it interesting that he didn't say to leave your money belts at home? He said, just don't put anything in it. He was teaching them that he was their source. He wasn't teaching them to be poor. It says, nor bag for your journey, nor two tunics, nor sandals, nor staffs, for a worker is worthy, is worthy of his food. And otherwise, I'm gonna provide for, for you when you're out doing my work. Now, whatever city or town you enter, inquire who in it is worthy and stay there till you go out. And when you go in, a household greeted. The household is worthy. If the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, and now listen to this, let your peace return to you. And whoever will not receive you nor hear your words when you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. So let me just very lovingly, in a very pastoral way, tell you this. Shake the dust off. It didn't happen. It might have even been incredibly important. Shake the dust off. Because if you don't, what's going to happen is you are going to carry your loss. You're going to carry your offense. You're going to carry your disappointment right into the very next situation. I've had to learn, I've had to learn this from, from ministering week to week. Like you get up and preach and minister and pour your heart out and you're thinking, man, this, this thing is going to happen or like, you know, year to year, like we're going to have this explosion and X, Y, Z miracles are going to happen. And I'm not saying we haven't seen some things, but we have not seen, I can tell you, we have not seen even a fraction of what's in here, what's in me, that God put in there. God put it in there. Some things are yet for an appointed time and some things are just that we're learning how to walk it out. Sometimes I can't tell the difference. Is it my issue or is it a timing issue? God, I'm really not sure what's going on here. But for every time I've been disappointed, and, I, and that's what you, that Jesus was talking about here. He was already prepping them that some people are not going to receive you. Some people are not going to take what you are giving them that I've told you to give them. They're not going to take it and they're not going to do anything with it. In fact, some of them are going to reject you. And he didn't say after 10 rejections, you have every right to be mad and offended and upset and hurt, and you can go tell everyone about how rotten they are. I didn't read that in there. He said, when they don't receive you, shake the dust off your feet and move on. And what I believe he was doing is he was giving not only a recipe for preaching the gospel and continuing to preach the gospel and continuing to preach the gospel and continuing and continuing and continuing, but he was also given a recipe for life whenever we don't see things happen that we believe that we should or that we know that we should, and things just don't work out the way that we think, and even that we know it ought to work out. He's giving us a recipe for being able to deal with what's going on on the inside of us. And I could tell you now, this, this is what you do this with the help of the Holy Ghost, and it works, and it's worth it. Because for every, for every and I, we can tell you this, for every five amens that we get, we have somebody that just goes... <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, you want to know what demons look like in a church? You say, "Well, I don't have that problem." Well, then then lie to me and put a smile on your face. <laughs> I'm just kidding. if you're not real smiley, it's okay. 
but it's the posture of people sometimes on the inside. <laughs> but like, you know, we've, we've walked through that. It's like, oh, we're, we're with you. And, and even, even over the years, some people are like, I'm behind you till the end. And I'm like, okay, the end is in a month. Because what happens is that, and sometimes not even just, you know, it being that they just leave, but they stab you in the back and do all of this stuff. And like, what do you do with that? What do you do with that? I mean, because her and I, we're just like, we've just been at this place and we started out, we're like, Jesus, we just love you and we just want to preach your word. And everybody just loves Jesus. And then you come in, you realize that people genuinely hate you. I know most of you in this room, you're like, man, we love you. Thank you. I know. <laughs> and you help drive out the people that don't, don't that don't. What do you do with that, though? Because, you know, you can have 10 people say, I've got your back and really do, and it's that one person or that one situation that will cut you to the core. And if you don't deal with it right, the enemy will take that thing and he will grind it in your heart, and before you know it, you become one of those nasty people. Like, us dealing with what's going on inside of here is just, like, I, I didn't spend a lot of time prepping this message. I had all week too, but the Lord just dropped it in me and he said, you got to talk to him about their heart. We have to keep, we have to keep it right. If we don't, it literally affects everything that we do in this life because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks and then out of our heart flow the issues of life. So whatever is going on in there, it, it will come out. When we get squeezed what's in there is going to come out. You ever been around somebody and they're just so full of love that it just doesn't matter how they get poked, love just oozes out? I wish I could say that Liz is that person. I'm aspiring to be like her. <laughs> I'm better than I used to be, amen? But then you get around somebody, you know, and just one little thing happens and they get, they get poked and all this venom comes out. It's because they didn't guard their heart. The person that was full of love, it's because they guarded their heart. And sometimes we just chop it up to be in a personality thing. Oh, they, they've just got one of those personalities. No, they've got, a, they've got a bitter, offended, hardened heart that they haven't allowed God to deal with. And every situation of life has them seeing and operating through that filter and that brokenness. Instead of allowing God to heal it, they stay there and it affects everything they do. It affects all of the relationships. It affects everything in their life. And we just, got, we just got to get healed up. We do, not have, we do not have time to mess around with this stuff. Like whatever you need to do in your private time with the Lord, or you need someone to come and wash your feet, man, we will wash your feet. We are happy to do that, metaphorically speaking. <laughs> Samaritan, we have showers, wash your own physical feet, all right? But if you need us to, to wash your feet spiritually, that's what we're here to do. We're here for that. We're here. We're, we want to, you know... It says to confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed. Because sometimes what we, we walk through in life, sometimes the sin, it's not like, you know, a lot of people, they don't need to come and be like, oh, I've been doing something in secret. And if you have been, stop that and then confess. And if you need to talk to somebody, fine. But a lot of the sin 
that we need to get healed up from. A lot of it's just like discouragement, the way that we've been thinking, the way that we've been approaching things, some bitterness going on on the inside. These are like the things that don't get hit a lot, but are really the root problem for so many things that we deal with in our life. And if you need to, come to somebody and say, man, I've just been dealing with bitterness. I've been really mad at this or this person, or you know, I've been so discouraged lately because these things didn't happen and I was expecting them to, whatever it is. Allow someone to come and, you know, allow yourself to come and, and be with somebody that can help you through that, that can pray with you and help you get freed up from that. Because whatever it is, it's not worth it compared to the glory of God that he has for your life. Listen to what it says here. I'm going to close with these couple verses. And in Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 19, and this is a, this is a, pr- a prophetic uh, verse about, about Jesus, about the Lord. It says, your dead shall live. Together with my body, they shall arise. Awake and sing, you who dwell in dust, for your dew is like the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Awake and sing, you who dwell in the dust. It's a choice to arise. He's given us resurrection life. It's a choice to arise. Here's something that I found really interesting. If you go to Genesis chapter two, there's some really interesting things about dust that I'm not, I don't have time to get into. Let me just, let me just say this about dust about dust is that when you study out dust in the Bible, like what a weird thing to talk about, but when you study out dust in the Bible, there is nothing, it doesn't point to really anything good. Like it's always talking about either death or it's talking about like the lowest state of living. That's basically every scripture verse you look at will point to that on some level. But here's something interesting, Genesis 2 and 7. We know this, but with that in mind, let's read this verse. And it says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. Hmm. I'm gonna tell you why God did that. Because I question this. I'm like, Lord, you spoke everything else into existence and your most important creation, us. Why did you take dust and make us from it? And the Lord spoke to me and he said, because you would need it as a prophetic sign that no matter what would ever happen in your life, I have the power to raise something up from nothing. And in the very next chapter, we read it earlier, here you have dust that was nothing and God said, I'm gonna make something out of it. Breathe the breath of life into it and man became a living soul, became a living being. And the very next chapter, he tells the devil, you're going back to the dust. And let me remind you of something. The devil was not sent here to terrorize you. You were sent here to terrorize him. And every time this dust breathes and releases the word of the living God, releases the anointing of God, comes into, comes into agreement with what God says about them, It is a smack in the face to the devil. You want to win in life? Remind yourself and remind the enemy who you are. For you were nothing without him, but with him you are everything. And so you know what? If you find yourself dwelling in the dust, stop doing that. It's not where you belong. It's not who you are. Praise God. As a matter of fact, just stand up and let's do that together. You know how to shake the dust off your feet? Just 
Go ahead, let's just everybody just go ahead and just do that. Just shake the dust off your feet. Can we hear like a stampede in here? That would be, that would be cool. I wish we didn't have concrete in here. That'd be better. That'd be really cool. <laughs> you just make a choice. You just, you just do it. Don't try to sit and figure out. See, when you find yourself in mystery, you're not supposed to be enamored by the mystery. You're just supposed to seek him in the midst of it. I have answers for some things. I have so many things that I don't have answers for. And what I did is I found myself going, well, why, God? Well, how come, God? Well, why didn't this happen? And what, look what happened over here. And I know you told me to do this, and this thing didn't work out right. And now I'm just like, he'll, sh- he'll show us in time. I mean, hopefully we'll get the answers soon, but if we don't, when we get to heaven, we're going to have the answers there for sure. But between now and then, I'm going to choose to not allow that so-called failure or issue or problem or whatever dust is trying to be attached to me, I, I refuse to allow that to be carried with me onto the next thing. I just refuse. I'm just not going to allow it to happen. Hallelujah. Isn't it amazing that we've got something here about our heart and our feet attached together? <laughs> Guard your heart, and the way that you do that is you keep shaking the dust off your feet. We could fill in, and I don't want to do this because I don't want to take any more time. You could, put, you could put a thousand, a million different things that fit into what I'm talking about now. How your kid's doing in school or how your parent's doing or just relationships. I mean, just anything you could think about, you could put in this. And if things aren't working out like you wanted them to, shake the dust off your feet and move on. It's beneath you. It's lower than you. It's not who you are. It doesn't define you. I've had to learn this because for all the years that I've preached miracles and preached healing and preached the things that I believe, that I know that the word of God says, <laughs> I've had the enemy at times be like, you know, you preached that and it didn't really, it didn't really happen like you said it was going to happen or like you thought it was going to happen or like you said the word of God said. I went, that'll get down. If you listen to those voices, that'll get down on the inside of you and stop you from doing what God's telling you to do. You know that Todd White prayed for over 900 people before he saw one person healed. I got better results than that. I don't think I prayed for very many people and started seeing them healed. I'm not saying I'm Todd White. I'm just saying that you got to get to this place to where you go, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, 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 look, it happened. It happened. Oh, yeah. Why? Because you didn't allow those three or four or five or ten failures stop you from doing what you need to do right now. Amen. Good nugget. Good key. So really, really help you. Just stick your hands up to the Lord right now. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just received this. Lord, I believe that this was a word from heaven. I believe this is a key for us to be able to walk through this life victorious. For we are strong people. We are not weak people. We are strong people. You said that about us. Our vision statement came from you, God. And you said to build, you said to build strong people and to build strong churches. And so it starts with us as individuals. It starts with us saying, I'm not going to be enamored by the things of life. I'm not going to allow the enemy to come in and rob me of joy and of peace and get me pulled into all of the whys and the why nots and the how come it didn't happen and why are we dealing with this and why are we in this situation now? And Lord, we just say, we're going to forget all of that stuff. You're going to give us the wisdom. You're going to give us the understanding. You're going to show us what we need to see, what we need to know to take the next step and to take the next step and the next step. And we're not going to figure everything out. That's not our job. I'm going to tell you something. It is not your job to figure everything out in life. If you could figure everything out in life, you would be God. 
That's why it's required for us to be in faith because at best, we might be able to see a day or two days or a week in front of us. And we've got a place we're going, something we're doing, but honestly, the details between here and there are, are blurry because we only know in part and we prophesy in part. We do not see everything. We don't hear everything. We don't know everything. But one thing you can be confident of is the next thing that you need to do, God will show you what you need to do. And you just keep taking those steps and you cut off all the things from the past. You do not, you don't allow it. You do not allow it. Any offense, any hurt, any disappointment, any problem, any issue, you cut it off in Jesus' name. So Father, I just declare in the name of Jesus, whatever we've been holding on to, we cut it off. We shake it off and we have nothing to do with it. We part from it for it is not a part of us. And Jesus, just like you said, you said, if we don't allow you to wash us, then we'll have no part in you. Lord, we want to have every part in you, your great commission, the ministry you've called us to, the life of excellence, the life of joy and peace and strength and all of the good stuff you want to give us. So Lord, we just say, wash us. Wash us and cleanse us. And Lord, get all the nasty stuff off that we've been trekking through this life. We don't want to have anything to do with that stuff. And Father, I declare in Jesus' name that we are overcomers. It's, it's, not, it's, it's actually not a church name. It's our DNA. When you read the sign on the door, when you see it on the website or whatever it is, you see our name. It's not, it's not a church name. It is because we had to call it something, but it is who God says that we are. So then he gives us the keys to do it. This is a key. You take this key, you stick it in your belt. I'm telling you something, church. I'm pastoring you here. You take this key and you stick it in your belt and you watch. The next time you have something come up, the Lord will say, pull that key out, stick it in the lock, unlock it, and keep moving on. And then shut the door behind you and leave all the junk in the other room. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit overcomerschurchinternational.com.